This episode of PodSAM is brought to you by Flake, making ski school management simpler, smarter, better. The support that exists within sustainability, I would say take courage um, in knowing that this group is out there uh, to support you and be courageous um, as you pr- uh, approach advocacy efforts. Um, because once you wade in, it's not as hard as you initially anticipated being. You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Sustainability encompasses so much more than going green. The growth of sustainability specialist positions at mountain resorts and beyond had us asking, what does it really mean to be a sustainable business? Does being sustainable mean lowering your bills and employee turnover? Does it mean increasing waste and carbon emissions? Does it mean placing environmental and social concerns above the bottom line, or is there an ROI on sustainable business practices? Sam teamed up with Flake's Erica Kazi, Vice President of Social Impact and Sustainability, and gathered a group of sustainability leaders to hear about how they approach sustainability, the results of their current efforts, and future plans. Join us as we share stories and actionable takeaways for resorts big and small. We'll start the conversation here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Um, well, thank you all for joining us today on The Huddle. It's been a while since we've met up on this platform. I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of Sam Magazine, and Sarah Wojcik is our Huddle producer and uh, one of our co-hosts today. Uh, the Huddle is a platform to share what we're learning and to keep our community strong through connection, as it has been from the start when we started with COVID, but have sort of evolved some of our um, content now and topics that we cover. So um, sustainability, we gathered a group of sustainability leaders to hear about how they approach sustainability and the results of their current efforts and future plans. So um, join us for this next hour as we share stories and actionable takeaways for resorts big and small. Our panel today includes some who've been leading the way for years and years um, and um, from resorts big and small, and from some who are just getting started or took a pause during COVID. So we hope that you can identify with um, someone on this panel in where you're at and why you're here today. So with that, let's introduce the panel. We have Mike Nathan, Sustainability Manager at Arapaho Basin, A Basin, Colorado. Uh, Amy Fonte, Sustainability Specialist at Big Sky, Montana. And Mari Kissinger, also from the Boeing Group. Um, she is Director of Skier Services and Sustainability at the Highlands in Michigan. Uh, we have Dawn Bouloir, who is Vice President of Environmental and Social Responsibility at Taos Ski Valley, New Mexico. And we have Bonnie Hickey, who's the Sustainability Director at Bridgeable, Montana. We have Christian Knapp, who's Vice President and CMO of Pacific Group uh, Resorts, Inc., and Tommy Reuther, who is their new Sustainability Coordinator at WISP um, Resort in Maryland. So before we turn over to our resort panelists, um, Erica Kazi, who's um, also going to help us with hosting today, is the Vice President of Social Impact and Sustainability at Flake and has been leading the charge on the front, um, and we're pleased to have her um, join the conversation today. 
Um, she represents a supplier voice in amongst our panel of all um, resort voices. And Flake is a, um, as some may know or not, it's a snow sports management software platform. And they hired you full time to focus solely on changing the conversation to sustainability. Nothing to do with sales of your snow sports management software platform. And so, you know, I asked this is, you know, why are you doing this? Is it for the RI, the concern for the planet or both or something else? I love being asked this question because uh, when it comes down to it, the baseline is we give a shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I use that word intentionally because um, when it comes to people on the planet, someone's got to advocate for them or else, unfortunately, human activities will devastate both uh, each other and the planet we depend upon. So my goal and my initiative is just to keep these conversations going, brainstorm with all of these amazing individuals that are here today um, and try to change things in the world. So let's get started uh, with Mike Nathan of A-Basin. So some on our panel today are um, in the early stages of their sustainability efforts, but you are definitely not. And as a charter member of NSAA Sustainable Slopes, you've been working at this for the better part of 10 years, what you said. So what sustainability effort in those early days at A-Basin made you want to dive into this double down, create a long-term plan? I mean, in the very early days, you jumped into this. So was there, was there a something that happened um, for you or for your company that was a small or large catalyst? Um, you know, I mean, I think there were a number of things that led us down the road we've been on, yeah, for a decade plus now, at least here out in Colorado at the Basin. Um, I think one, you know, keeping in mind my stopwatch, I just started for myself. I mean, you queued it up perfect sharing those links to, to the NSAA programs, both the Sustainable Slopes Charter and of course, the granting program that comes through that, as well as the Golden Eagle Awards, uh, all of which are due tomorrow for all of you sustainability ski area colleagues out there that are procrastinators as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, the climate challenge, especially as far as its <clears throat> tracking tool and sort of holding our feet to the fire as, as ski areas as a part of that program with doing something here at the ski area each and every year to address climate change really was sort of what started us thinking seriously about, frankly, probably having my position as part of the team here. We, before that happened, you know, we did a lighting retrofit. We did start to pick some of that lower hanging fruit that many of you on the call are probably in the weeds on right now. You know, and we saw, again, as you mentioned in the intro, Olivia, a little bit of ROI on all of those, you know, a lot of great engagement with different various groups on the mountain, you know, operations and lines of business, as well as our guests. Um, but then as we, you know, did those things at the same time, as you said, helping to really found both Sustainable Slopes program and the Climate Challenge with the NSAA back when we did, you know, that really started to get us thinking critically about what else we could do. And looking at those numbers highlighted a number of places where we thought we could do better. Um, really the, the collaborative nature of all of those programs and, and getting to know more and more of you folks on this call, so many of which I have shared awesome project ideas with and taken, basically copied the stuff that you are all doing. Um, so all of those things really helped us to, yeah, find what else we could do better, take that maybe second step towards sustainable action here at the resort and really within the operation. 
that seems to be a theme, Mike, that I've heard from all of you, which is um, this, this is a topic that everybody's sharing. There's no competition. And, you know, everybody we talked to talked about sharing the resources, calling each other up, calling your resort down the road. Um, and that, that that's definitely a theme. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I didn't get to see her last weekend, but I was at Taos. And sorry, Don, for not looking you up, but I did catch up with Matt, checked out a cool project they've got going with some of their food waste stuff and a piece of equipment they've installed. Um, you know, Bonnie and I are on the phone pretty frequently talking about stuff. You know, I know you highlighted in the bullet points of things to hit on, you know, some of our ideas around procurement. You know, Erica and I have worked a lot on that with the NSA group as well. And again, as far as, you know, step one being that low-hanging fruit, changing some light bulbs, maybe step two is, is getting involved in the climate challenge and sustainable slopes and seeing what else we're all up to and where we can help. And then obviously step three, the one that, frankly, most of us probably have sort of kicked the can on until now is... For sure, scope three emissions, supply chain, procurement, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, again, that's a, that's another area where we've found tons of great uh, collaboration within this group and sort of just a whole new set of uh, resources that all of us can kind of look to as we start to look into that. Erica, you, you and I were talking about the scope three emissions. Yeah, yeah, Mike. And I have talked uh, many times about this. And as many of you know, I, this is what I can't stop talking about is um, supply chain emissions and just how big of an impact they have. Um, you've mentioned in the past, Mike, that you've had trouble collecting data um, and this like whole ignored piece of procurement in the supply chain. Can you tell us about the supplier vetting tool that you've created internally? You know, a bit of a teaser. We haven't fully rolled this program out yet, but as I spoke, I've spoken with Erica about and and with the Sam Magazine folks at our intro call a week or so ago, we are just about to transition to an entirely new AP system here at the Basin, uh, really through the whole suite of companies that are our parent company dream up in Canada overseas. So that is frankly just good timing. It's a great time where we're going to rip the Band-Aid, get all of us managers and purchasers into this new system with a new procedure and new steps involved. And yeah. As Erica mentioned, as part of that, we are going to be requiring, as part of vendor onboarding, this vendor vetting tool or this vendor vetting questionnaire that we will share with each potential, you know, vendor or individual purchase that we make. Uh, so that questionnaire, it's going to be super simple, one sheeter. You will not have to be a sustainability or social impact pro at one of these companies to be able to fill it out. It'd be like five or eight yes or no or unsure questions. And again, really help us to just establish that baseline. You know, we know that we can make bigger impacts outside the ski area as we start to engage with these other folks. But frankly, and in the name of goal setting and sort of our um, transparent and, and over communication style when it comes to environmental and social action that we're doing, you know, we want to set ourselves a meaningful goal, but we have no idea where we're at. You know, I think just because of the nature of our business, yeah, luckily we work with a lot of local and family-owned businesses. That's the nature of the ski industry. So we might actually be really far along this road already. Um, we know for a fact that there's some great, you know, women and uh, underrepresented groups in some of the leadership levels of these companies we work with, but we have no idea who or where or how many. So, and incorporating it into the sort of requirements of normal, Accounts payable business is where we're going to start. Right. So 
Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, and kind of switching gears here, like I know that you in the past have utilized a lot of government incentives, um, grant funding, sustainable project initiatives. Can you talk more about that and maybe recommend where people can find these incentives and grants? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, the, the first place I'd recommend is, is frankly like this forum right here, you know, whether that's the email chain that we all happen to be on for meeting invites or other webinars, or once you are enrolled in the climate challenge, if you're a scary and it's not yet, we through the NSA have these periodic, you know, basically huge gatherings where we all talk about what's coming down the pike. The NSA team is great about finding those opportunities for us, even down to the state and regional level. You know, we've been directly fed access to Colorado state grants through that group. Um, but, you know, again, we, we do a lot of our own work too. I think having just really clear and open lines of communication with all the big partners of yours, including your utility provider is another way that you can hear about these things and utilize all this great stuff and not miss things. You know, we recently installed a bunch of EV chargers here at the mountain, utilizing both the Charge Ahead grant program, which folks in Colorado have probably heard of, and one that we were, um, you know, told about through the NSAA. Um, and then also Excel Energy was, was working on a grant as part of, the, part of their transportation electrification plan. So through both of those programs, that turned our single dual port charger idea into this five station, 10 car parking area right in the front of our lot that we essentially still just paid for the price of one through all those grants. So really successful example there. And again, just really, I think, came back to being tied into this group, having a great relationship with my account manager at Excel Energy. We're really tied in with the state and the county here in Colorado. So all of those sort of peer groups are, are a great place to be. Next, we're going to go to the team at Boyne um, with Amy Fonte and from Big Sky and Mari Kissinger from the Highlands in Michigan. And um, what's interesting about them is their different backgrounds. So, you know, Boyne has set out to put a sustainability lead at each of their Boyne properties. Um, and the the way that they have found these folks um, is sort of described between these two ladies. So, Amy, um, say a little bit how, where you came from and um, what you know about the ski industry. And then Mari will have your background, which is a little bit different. Yeah, thank you. So I studied sustainability science in my undergrad years um, at Furman University. I have a bachelor's of science in sustainability. Um, and then I um, was actually a AmeriCorps VISTA member for a few years in Montana. And then I went to master my master's program at American University's Kogod School of Business for a degree in sustainability management. So this is what I studied. This is what I've been passionate about since I went to school. Um, and then my first door like that I opened to the ski industry, aside from skiing growing up as a child, um, was this role at Big Sky Resort as a sustainability specialist. So I applied specifically for this role because um, there's not a lot of sustainability positions in Montana. Um, and so I saw it as a listing and knew that it was going to be a great opportunity. And I've learned a lot about the ski industry um, since being here for the past year and a half, year and eight months. Um, but that's very different from Mari's background. So. Yes, Mari's more of the traditional way that we come into the many hats we wear in the industry. So Mari? I'm kind of all over all over the map there. So 
Um, I actually, and I won't even go back to like how long ago I graduated from college, but <laughs> sustainability wasn't even a degree back then. So I have a degree in biology, biology and uh, life just took me in another direction. And, you know, I raised a family and, um, but I was ski patroller. I made, I actually was on the snowmaking crew one year. Um, I was a race coach for a while and um, I came back to the Highlands full-time year round as our season pass coordinator and our digital media manager. So I worked in the marketing department, sold season passes, and uh, that kind of evolved to the director of skier services. And then when Boyne made the commitment um, to the Forever Project and to being net carbon zero by 2030, um, I, I approached our GM and I'm not sure that I gave him much of a choice um, and let all that, you know, this isn't what I wanted to do. And this is where my passion was and kind of my love for the environment and my love for ski just collided all at once. So here I am. That's awesome. And I, and I think that just is a testament to, you know, whether you go the path of Amy or for any, you know, owners, operators, bosses, managers, you know, you, you may have that, that catalyst on your team right now, who's in snowmaking or in events or somewhere else. So um, that's your, your good example of that. Um, so Amy, back to you, when you started, um, you said that, um, you said to us that sustainability is very location-based, um, so that it was immediately apparent that you needed to connect with Bonnie um, to share research. What do you mean by it's, it's um, very location-based, and how do you and Bonnie work together? Yeah, so I think that a lot of sustainability is local solutions. So although we're all fighting this greater global problem, um, things are really apparent at the local level. And then it really matters what you're doing with your partners, with your community um, to make real change happen. Um, every community is different. Every you know energy company is different. Every climate is different that we all see regionally and very locally. Um, and so I think that in order to have the right solution, it has to be based in place. Um, so when I first started, I did reach out to Bonnie. I knew that Bridger Bull had a ski program, uh, sustainability program long before Big Sky Resort did. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that I was getting in touch with all the right people. Bonnie recommended some great local organizations um, that we both use as resources. Um, the Montana Environmental Information Center, the Montana Renewable Energy Alliance, great nonprofits that, you know, seek to educate and advocate for sustainability. Um, so she got me in touch with a lot of those. And then I also just look to my community to see what we could be doing here. So Big Sky has a sustainability network organization, so a local nonprofit that is working really hard against climate change. Um, and so I'm actually on their board of directors now. I'm also on the board of directors for the Big Sky Transportation District. Um, a lot of our staff is really ingrained in the community. So we have representation on the housing trust. We have representation on the water and sewer district where, you know, it really matters what the community is doing to fight these problems. And the more we do it together, the further we can go faster. Um, so Bonnie and I definitely work together. We've done a few acts of advocacy together. Um, but then more than that, we just kind of regularly check in with each other to see what's happening with Northwestern Energy, who's our utility provider, um, conversations about um, how the ski season is going, but then also what projects we're working on, transportation issues. Um, and we just brainstorm and chat and catch up. So it's been really great. Um, Mari, tell us, um, so Boyne um, kicked off their Forever Project, and there's a link in the chat. Um, and it was kicked off in 2019. And then in 2020, um, you started the Sustainability Council. And um, mm -hmm. so 
tell us what that is and and then what you're rolling out in in April. Sure. So um, the the Sustainability Council is a group of corporate level um, team members, uh, the sustainability leads at each resort, uh, the GMs, and a few other employees that have a passion for sustainability. We meet once a month. We share ideas, um, problems, projects. It's just kind of like a sustainability think tank to kind of uh, speed up our, our progress towards our 2030 goal. Um, and it's worked really effectively. We've been able to, as we've gotten new sustainability leads at each resort, we've been able to onboard them and familiarize them, um, you know, with projects they need to work on, who they need to know um, within the organization um, to get up to speed quicker. And then um, it's been a great educational tool, right? This is a, a definite cultural shift for our entire organization. And this has been a very effective way for us to shift that culture you know, throughout the whole corporation. And, and then again, at each resort and to um, support each other during that. So in 2021, we officially launched the Forever Project, which is um, our official uh, goal to be net carbon zero uh, by 2030, which is a super ambitious goal. Um, you know, now we're pushing on you know, six and a half years left, right? And we have a, we have a lot of work to do. Um, and with that in mind, we, um, we started working with the Brendel Group. Um, many of you may be familiar with them. They, they help with the uh, um, climate challenge data. And um, so over the course of the last year, Amy and I have been working with them to put together uh, our Forever Project Master Plan. And so that's essentially like how we're going to get, get to that goal. And um, it lays it out for the whole corporation collectively and then as well for each uh, resort. Uh, and while it's not um, specifics, you do this, then this, then this, um, it's, it's, it's a guiding principles. It's the, it's the numbers, it's the targets that, that we need to hit. Um, and they are in somewhat of a prescribed order, just not the specific targets that we need to, projects that we need to do. Um, so we're going to roll that out in April publicly. I think it's important uh, for transparency and accountability that, you know, people see what we're working on and, you know, we'll hold ourselves accountable for that. Um, and it's, it's really interesting, kind of the, the two big targets that we need to hit and really work on is um, making sure that our utility companies uh, hit their clean energy targets, right? Because our, our project is, is relying on that. And, um, and then the other one is working on our buildings, right? So it's making sure that our new buildings because um, we're a business after all, we're not going to stop progress, but making sure that our new buildings are built to a high uh, energy efficiency standard and then um, making our current buildings better. You know, obviously, you know, Mike, you talked about the LED lights and the retrofits and, you know, that's good, but it's, you know, we're going deeper, like the insulation, the windows, um, you know, are we putting in heat pumps? Are we putting in geothermal? Are we thinking of alternative ways to heat our buildings? And then um, looking to put um, uh, renewable energy projects at each resort. Okay. So that's what we're working on. And, and you, you were talking about um, it's the low-hanging fruit, but it's it's going deeper on that. But um, you said that the low-hanging fruit in our pre-call was is a great way to engage all the staff in realizing their impact and and reporting when they 
he said, you've got a, I think a, a reporting tool. So when they change the light bulb, they put in the data so that you can get the rebate. And it's like that level of engagement. One of the great things that, that I have found is that the more we talk to, to our staff, the more we talk to the team members, the more we find out that we have lots of people in different locations that you would never guess would be really passionate about this. And they are our cheerleaders. We have, uh, we have a waitress up in our bar that, holy cow, do not put anything compostable in the garbage because she's going to pick it out and sort it out and she's going to reprimand you. And, and nobody had any idea that this woman was that passionate about it. And, and so it, that's fantastic. And then it, and it's working with our electrician. He just has a quick form on his phone that I made for him. And so he just types in like, you know, what light bulbs he's changing out and what is he replacing them with? And it's a quick five second tool for him. It doesn't involve um, any communication between the two of us. And about once a month, I go in, I pull the data out and I submit it to our utility company um, for rebates. And, you know, it just works seamlessly. But, you know, one of the great examples that we've used um, that we're instilling in all of our results, we started here um, thinking of, you know, for the, some of these people who are starting and um, the low hanging fruit is our uh, heaters in our lift houses, right? We all have these lift houses. We all have these little electric like heaters in them for the most part. And, you know, our, our um, lift operators can turn it all the way down at the end of the night, but it doesn't turn it off. So that thing is cycling on all night long. And so what we did is we put power timer timers on the power. So Literally, it shuts off the power completely to the timer um, when when we close. And about a half an hour before lift operators show up for duty, it kicks it on so it's warm when they get there. So, you know, they have a pleasant work environment. And we estimate that with the lift houses that we have here on property is going to save us about 100,000 kilowatts a year wow. of power. That's a great, great example. I have one last question for you, and this one's for Amy. Um Again, the common theme we hear from all of our calls is uh, the importance of community relations. Um, an example is the EPA grant you helped the town apply for. Can you tell us about that and why you did it? Yeah, so um, Big Sky Snow is, is just applied for a large EPA grant, um, the Recycling and Education Outreach Grant um, that was released earlier this year. And so I helped um, our sustainability director for the community um, apply for that grant. We worked together to collaborate on building what this grant proposal would look like, what the idea would be. Um, it involves um, recycling and education for businesses, for community members, um, for vacation rental properties, um, and just establishing a new system for people to be trained. So it's a train the trainer um, process um, by businesses participating. They get um, incentives in the form of bins, like a new multi-stream waste system. Um, and then, so it was in my interest, obviously, to help Snow get this grant. So, I mean, fingers crossed that we do get it, or at least part of it. It's one, for $1.3 million. Um, but it's huge for the community. Um, we're not eligible to get these kinds of grants because we are a for-profit organization, but mm -hmm. by Snow having the opportunity to educate the community, our visitors, um, our people who, our team members who live here, um, that will only make my job easier than at the resort when I'm trying to educate new um, team members that are starting in the season, or I'm trying to roll out new bins to employ housing or new bins in our public areas. Um, so really just like a comprehensive approach um, to that way everybody's getting the same signage, the same education, the same training. Um, and specifically because Montana is just, we have a really 
poor recycling infrastructure, um, we just ship most of our recycling to other states. And so education is key because we do have no single stream recycling. It's all multi-stream and it's a little bit complicated and pretty much every other state does better than us. So mm-hmm. exciting. Right. And I hope we yeah get some of that funding at least. And it's a great example of you know, you're helping the town, you're not getting anything directly in, in grant money, but you're helping them get a grant. And so that community relation, which we hear as a theme so much now, as we're experiencing challenges broadly, um, is, is a great way to approach um, the community relations is helping them with a grant. So thanks for sharing that. We'll dive back into the conversation after this message from partner Flake. Flake making ski school management simpler, smarter, and better. Flake takes climate action and social impact seriously, creating the future by investing in 10 times their carbon usage through the purchase of offsets while developing projects for renewable electricity on-site and a waste-free future. Flake's next production cycle of geolocator tags will include recycled materials while all previous tags have been recycled. Flake's dedication to sustainable operation goes beyond products with goals to change the industry for the better. Learn more at www.flake.com. That's www.flaik.com. We're going to keep it local, um, but still move on to Bonnie. Um, so Bonnie Hickey from Bridger Bowl. Um, Bonnie, before you were the sustainability director, you ran the ski school at Bridger Bowl. Um, and you mentioned culture drove the department heads to constantly look at sustainable practices. Um, tell us a little bit about how your position came to be and some of the key projects you've completed. Like many community ski areas across the U.S., you know, we began with a core group of local outdoor ski enthusiasts. Um, and as we grew and developed into a nonprofit association, um, that foundation of skiers and outdoorsmen in the community remained um, more or less the core and developed an overall culture of care, you know, for our Bridger Mountain Range our, and our community and our operations. And so our practices grew out of more a matter of just doing the right thing versus back then, you know, there, as we have already mentioned, there wasn't this whole um, global idea of sustainability. And so as it grew, the efforts were spread across individuals. Um, in all the different departments and individuals that had particular interests. So prior employees spearheaded things like the recycling and climate advocacy and energy conservation. Um, And um, right as I um, was getting ready to leave the snow sports school, we were in the process of installing our 50 kilowatt solar array. Um, So this position, I wasn't ready to um, leave Bridger Bowl entirely, but I was ready to pass on the snow sports school. Um, So I was offered the opportunity to develop a position as a sustainability director. And it was more or less to harness all those individual efforts and and provide some direction, um, kind of centralize uh, data collection and and be the point person. Um, And so that's what I've done in the meantime, that first year we joined um, the climate challenge and we've been moving on ever since. Thanks. Um, I'm gonna circle back to our common theme here of community connections. Um, You have a relationship obviously with um, Amy at Big Sky and your local power company. Um, And when they proposed a 20 year procurement plan that had no renewable energy 
um, community community members came together to block that. So tell us about that process and the work group that developed from it. Yeah, that, that was a shocker. And that happened right as um, I moved into this position. So I was um, having to learn a lot in a short amount of time about um, Montana power arrangements and, and power transmission and all of those aspects that go into it. And um, as utilities around the country were moving away from coal, it was quite a shock to discover that for the next 20 years, our provider wasn't planning to um, increase any renewable energy. Um, and so um, I, at that point, provided some testimony on behalf of Bridger Bowl to the Public Service Commission um, regarding that plan and our need to be moving um, forward with renewable energy in order to exist as a business and an, as an industry. And um, outdoor recreation and tourism is hugely important. It's, it's one of the largest industries in Montana, both in terms of revenue and employment. So um, having taken that opportunity to provide that feedback, um, the outcome was that the Public Service Commission um, required uh, our utility to form a work group to work on a green tariff program. And so as that involved um, three cities in, in primary, three major cities in Montana, Bozeman, Helena, and Missoula, and the county of Missoula, as well as some businesses, uh, Big Sky, Bridger, um, and then large, in, large businesses like Walmart, for example. And so that work committee, um, began looking at green tariffs. And although um, Northwestern Energy came forth with a green tariff product, um, they didn't meet the stipulation that we were all bringing to the table for additionality. We wanted that energy to come from newly developed projects. And so it's been an ongoing project. The cities got together, um, formed an interlocal agreement and hired a consultant to help inform our um, development process. So that's where we are with it right now. Um, we're hoping to develop a product that would be an opt-in green tariff pro product for um, communities and businesses throughout Montana that'll help incentivize developers to um, build more renewable in Montana. There's a lot of renewable. There's a lot. I mean, big, Montana is a great wind developer, um, but a lot of that power is going to the Northwest. Yep. Um, that's a great, great um, example of how businesses can come together to really affect change within their community, too. Um, another project that you have been working on is um, the unique carbon offset purchasing that you are investing in. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you went that direction? Sure. Um, when I came on as, as the sustainability director, you know, we have projects spread through all departments, um, a lot that have been mentioned already. Um, so we're moving forward, um, but you start looking at the timeline. And at first, as I came into um, the sustainability position, I was kind of resistant to recs and offsets. It's like, we got to do this. And then you, you realize the grand scale of what you're working with and, and realize that you can't, it's going to take some time. And so I began searching for a way to offset our direct emissions, but just like with our, our power, um, I wanted it to come from something that was going to benefit Montana. Mm -hmm. And so um, a regional um, 
regenerative grazing project through Native Energy and Western Sustainability Exchange was brought to my attention. And um, that's a program that recruits and educates ranchers and measure, measures and verifies their progress in soil carbon uh, sequestration. And uh, Western Sustainability Exchange kind of develops the methodologies, does the rancher training, recruits the ranchers, and then um, by moving the cattle from pasture to pasture more frequently and really paying attention to the level of grazing, we really increase biodiversity um, through the flourishing of the native plants. Um, it provides um, highly improved pastures, better quality beef, grass-fed beef. And um, so it's a win-win. Many of our guests are, are these ranchers. And so um, we're improving their businesses, but also taking advantage of third-party verified carbon credits at the same time. So next we have Don Buar from Taos, New Mexico. Um, and Taos, Taos is leading the way on many fronts um, and has been a model uh, as we all kind of aspire to with their B Corp status and um, recently their carbon neutral certification. Um, so, but when I talked to you, Bonnie, and I didn't realize this, you know, how you personally got started um, down this path, I thought was sort of interesting at that moment that the light bulb went, went off and what you did to kick this all off. So can you share that with us? Sure. Thanks again for having me. It's so fun to hear what everyone's working on. Um, so this started for me, like Mari, I, um, you know, started off in snow sports school and like worked on college breaks and, uh, and went into marketing and then was in human resources for many years. Um, we had an ownership change in 2014 and I attended an NSA winter conference and Judy Dorsey with Brendel Group uh, that Mari had mentioned, and I can't remember the person's name from RRC, did a, a workshop or a seminar on the, sustain the ROI of sustainability efforts in the ski industry. And that really kicked off for me, um, especially as we were going through this ownership change, trying to align with our owner's um, conservation ethic, that this was a really an amazing opportunity for us to really um, move forward with the investments our owner was going to make in Taos in a in a way that we could also take care of the environment. And uh, so we so we uh, I came back, I had a bunch of notes, I presented it to ownership and uh, they were super excited. And we contracted with uh, Brendel Group with Judy and uh, and we got the ball rolling um, doing energy audits on our existing buildings. Um, really trying to, we hadn't participated in the NSA climate challenge yet, so we signed up to do that. We hired a sustainability specialist um, to help uh, have some dedicated work because I was still doing HR at the time and uh, really kind of got the ball rolling for us. So that's that's how we started on this journey. Well, it's a good story because it's, you know, you're, it, you know, you're sitting in a session and you're inspired and, and then off you went, you know, bring it to your management. And so... Um, I like that story. Um, so one theme that came out when I was talking to you is how much um, you are leaning in on data, 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 and that you said data is, you know, really needed at this point to properly move forward with sustainability. And so just explain what you mean by this and what resources you're you're using to gather the data and how you're kind of honing that that collection of it. 
Sure. So again, you know, the NSA Climate Challenge really started us on this path. Again, you have to measure your scope one and scope two emissions. So scope one, like what your buildings um, emit and what your fuel usage is, and scope two is your purchased energy. So that is what's really started, and you have to set goals. Um, we set a goal uh, to be, to be, have a 20% reduction in our scope two emissions, um, which we achieved with a lot of upgrades. So again, this is um, our ownership looking at where we were investing our money and we had a 30 year old uh, snowmaking infrastructure and those that investment into our snowmaking system realized and we know with snowmaking right varies from year to year depends on the temperatures all sorts of things but that first year that we had set the goal we had already achieved it so then we had to reset it um, and what we realized is a lot of our um, we, we are at the end of the line for our electric infrastructure, and we have a lot of meters that have multiple loads on them. So whether it has a lift or two lifts and some snowmaking and some buildings, um, and we really realized that we had no idea how and when we were using energy. Um, and this became more important um, as we looked at um, Kit Carson Electric as our, as our electric provider, they have a goal of being 100% daytime solar uh, by this year, certainly that's summer. Um, and we wanted to make sure we were taking advantage of that as we pursued our carbon um, offset and carbon neutral certification. We don't want to purchase more offsets than we need if some of that is coming from renewable energy. So uh, Matt that uh, Mike met uh, last weekend, um, had, we have deployed a series of sub meters. They're called e-gauges, super easy, super, super easy way to start looking at how you're using this. Um, and uh, we really, uh, that's, that's kind of our first foray into the sub metering and really understanding what our data is. We're understanding we need to do that with natural gas now. We don't have sub metering around some of our natural gas, so we're really looking at that. Um, things like food waste measurement. Um, we, uh, don't, we measure all of our, whether it's uh, our compost and our food waste, so we're definitely measuring that. We're measuring all of our recycling. We're not measuring the waste we're taking to the landfill. So that's our next step there. And again, this goes to risk of three emissions, uh, which is needed for our carbon neutral certification. So again, the more you start kind of going, diving deeper and deeper, you realize the need for data just helps you make more informed decisions, um, but it may require some investment in getting that data. And you you said you need it for applying for grants and incentives and all of that. So it's yeah, it's right. Like you're you, but also right to prove like, hey, what we're doing is making a difference. And I think that's ultimately what the data like are are the efforts we're making actually making a difference in um, in our impact. And um, you mentioned carbon offsets, and you have a slightly different approach to um, to carbon offsets. Can you share a little bit about about what Taos does with that? Sure. Uh, so we wanted to pursue a, a carbon neutral certification. And when we were looking um, for organizations that we could partner with, it was really important that the carbon offsets not only made a positive environmental impact, but a positive social impact as well. So we chose uh, climate impact partners 
Um, again, a native that Bonnie talked about is a fellow B Corp. We've um, we've worked with them to offset um, Taos Air, uh, and they just weren't. They don't have a certification, and there wasn't a lot of support around Scope Three, which. Um, still for me is really mind blowing how we start wrapping our brains around our scope three emissions. So uh, carbon, uh, I'm sorry, climate impact partners really help it helps us figure out which parts of our scope three emissions that we're measuring. So they align, um, not only are they third party certified uh, or verified their additionality, they let you know which projects if it's an avoidance project, if it's a reduction um, project. Uh, so we want to make sure all of that is happening, that they're really high quality offsets, um, that the offsets are retired. But they also align with the United Nations Sustainable, um, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and for our B Corp ethos, that's really important. So I think there are 17, 18 UN SDG goals, and each project aligns with those. So there has been, you know, issues. I, you know, I think Auden Schindler criticized us when when it came out that we were becoming carbon neutral certified. And I think if you're looking at just spending money um, and where you're spending that money, that that's a business decision. Um, but for us, that positive social impact is really important to align with our B Corp ethos and helping those people who are least responsible for the climate crisis but are having the worst effects of it, especially in the global south. And a lot of these projects help in those countries and also help um, for me, right, um, a lot there, the cook stove projects are really important because it allows women to also free up some time um, so they can pursue other things than just cooking. <laughs> um, so that that is really important to us as well as um, that gender equality and trying to help that and also helping maybe those economies um, bypass the whole carbon economy uh, and just go straight to a renewable energy model. So that's why we do what we're doing. Well, it's interesting to hear everybody's, you know, their mission for their sustainability efforts. Everybody's got their their own um, customized, you know, take, but we share a lot of the resources, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the um, platforms. So um, it's it's a good example of you can tweak it so that it matches what, what your ethos is. Um, Erica, you had a question about the mountain towns for Dawn. Yeah, so I know that um, historically speaking, I know Boyne um, and other organizations have been really inspired by mountain towns, myself included. Um, this last mountain towns was really inspirational. Um, and I've since, you know, started working with the town of Brighton to help them with their climate action plan. I know that you're starting to work with the town of Taos and the county and community. Can you talk more about that and kind of what came out of mountain towns for you? Yeah, so this is all thanks to Mari. Um, Mari, we were on a call about B Corp um, certification and she said, hey, are you going to go to Mountain Towns 2030? I'm like, isn't that more for like municipalities? And and she's like, well, yeah. And I said, well, we don't really have a relationship. We had new town administration um, for the town of Taos that like basically uh, were elected under this kind of no tourism, no, you know, kind of very anti um, tourism campaign. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But I reached out to the tourism director there, tourism and marketing director for the town. She shared it with uh, the new administration. And 
uh, I signed up to go and said, hey, you want, if you want a carpool, we can go up together, we can share a room, whatever, make the expense easier. I mean, it turned out she went, uh, one of the new town counselors went, the town manager went, um, and then the CEO of, of Kate Carson Electric actually presented at Mountain Towns. Um, and it was great because instead of us just thinking about this and what we're doing as a business, um, now the town, and then that has kind of rippled to the county, which is now rippled um, to something called the Taos Executive Forum, which is a bunch of the different leaders of different organizations within the community. Um, we I invited Judy Dorsey with Brendel Group, as well as Luke Carton with uh, Mountain Towns, who's co-founder of Mountain Towns, uh, to come and help us present to this group on how they can get started on a sustainability journey and how collaboratively we can work to create a climate action plan for our for our county, if you will. So it was something Mari just mentioned, and it's now so snowballed into this really cool thing that I think is going to have really positive impacts. I, I get very jealous when I hear of all the support folks have in, with sustainability groups and sustainability nonprofits and all of the stuff in Colorado. We're, we're, I feel like we're on a bit of an island, but thanks to Mari and that ripple effect, I think that's what's cool about this work. Hey, thanks, Dawn. Those are some great um, projects you're on and efforts, and uh, thanks for sharing the details on those. Um, our final panelists um, today are the team from PGRI, uh, the CMO Christian Knapp, and Tommy Reuther, the new sustainability coordinator for WISP. So, um, Tommy, I just I wanted to start with you because I know you're new to the position and not to put you on the spot, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, what are you thinking after hearing all of these panelists um just what's what are your thoughts <laughs> yeah you know it's a great opportunity to be on the call with all these people who are so far along in their sustainability journeys um obviously we're starting to build our foundation right now so it's great to hear the perspective of you know what steps they went through to achieve their goals and um yeah pretty thankful to be included in this group was there something that you heard that sort of stuck out in in thought, oh God, that that's a great idea, or I'd love to do? Just curious. Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, collaboration with stakeholders, um, either in the procurement process and utilities as well, um, you know, that's good to hear that we can have that sort of effect and to find mutually beneficial um, things for our community and for our resort to take advantage of. Um, so that's great to hear that that's a, been a big focus for everyone on this call. Great. I appreciate the um, your thoughts on that. Um, Christian, you said that you're starting with a Nissan Eco Values program. And so what does that mean for WISP and the entire PGRI portfolio of resorts? Yeah, thanks, Olivia. Um, you know, it's it's inspiring to be on this panel and just to hear from each of these resorts that are as Tommy says, so far along in their evolution or various stages of their evolution and sustainability. And, um, you know, we represent a company um, that's more at the infancy of this. And, you know, I'm sure there's many folks on the on the call that are in a similar uh, status as we are at PGRI. And we there is varying levels of success across our six properties. You know, there's definitely some really cool projects that are happening, some cool CapEx stuff. I was just at JP last week and uh, they're doing a major CapEx boiler project to improve efficiency um, there that will really help with our carbon offsets there over the long haul. 
um, with the, working with the utility there in Northern Vermont. So there's stuff happening across our company, but it's really, um, you know, it's, it's small at this point and it's, and it's fragmented. And so, you know, we had a program in place prior to COVID. Um, we built a brand, we built a statement, you know, we, we joined the NSA climate challenge. It was called, it's called eco values. You know, we put that in place and then like many of us on this call, everything paused and, and uh, we kind of went into survival mode uh, there for a couple of years, getting through the pandemic. Now that we're on the other side of that, um, you know, we're kind of kicking this off again as a company and thinking about what that evolution will look like for us. And, you know, having a person like Tommy at, on the ground at WIST, who has a marketing background, has some operations, works in snowmaking, um, but has this passion for and the environment and sustainability efforts is super important, you know, and I think that's a common theme here. When you, you look across these properties, you have to have a stakeholder, somebody that's implanted in the, in the, in the business that can be the advocate. Um, I had the opportunity of working at Aspen Skiing Company for nine years and Auden Schindler mentioned before, you know, he was, he was, he was there, he was on the executive team and having a person like that and putting the resources against it is very important to get traction. And you got to start small and you got to get going. And so our idea right now is, you know, to take all these efforts that are happening across our enterprise and start codifying them, um, but really leaning on Tommy to be on the ground at WISP to kind of pilot some of this stuff and get to do the data capture, um, start setting those goals so that we can put some, uh, some goals around this over the next couple of years. And then we can start to plan CapEx around it uh, in terms of how we want to move forward as a company. So we're in the beginning of this evolution, uh, like a lot of you were or are, and uh, we're excited to to learn from each of you. Thanks. And Tommy, I meant to ask, how did you, um, how did you, what was your path to to get this position? Because you don't, it, it sounds like you're like Mari, where you you wore different hats or do wear different hats at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I came from a marketing background to start my career in the ski industry. Actually, while I was an undergrad, I did ski instructing, um, worked into marketing, and I found my passion for sustainability through Colorado State's uh, Ski Area Management Graduate Certificate. Um, you know, Natalie Uwe, when she was with that um, program, did a great job of opening my eyes to, you know, a whole different perspective on the industry. And, um, you know, it really inspired me and got me going on researching master's programs that were specific to um, sustainable tourism. And I landed on Arizona State's online master's of sustainable tourism, um, which I completed while I was working night shift last season, uh, doing snowmaking and honestly having a ball out there. So it's been great to have the different administrative operational backgrounds um, come together in the idea of sustainability because it truly does affect um, everything uh, as far as operations and administration at ski areas. And what are some of your short-term goals for yourself and your and WISP and and ultimately for PGRI? Yeah, so short-term goals is um, you know obviously we want to build our culture internally um, and within the community and a reputation of uh, sustainability for WISP Resort and um, as well as, you know, monitor, report, advocate, repeat, um, doing that as far as um, all of our projects and really just having our 
data and our collection and reasoning behind our sustainability projects be very clear. Um, and hopefully that will promote some success in the future. That's great. Um, thanks for, for sharing that, Tommy and Christian. Um, and, you know, I, it, again, I bring back this, this theme that we seem to have, which is seems very similar to the early days or the whole time of COVID where um, we would gather either on this platform or, or wherever um, to share what we knew um, because it's a non-competitive topic and COVID was non-competitive. It was just everybody share your resources. And this feels a lot like that where um, all this sharing of resources um, is ultimately going, I think how well we did through COVID just by working together. I think just by continuing on with, with this sharing of resources, we could um, make some leaps and bounds on this topic. Um, so, you know, I am curious with the the panelists today in what you heard, um, with with that in mind of of you know learning and sharing, was there is anybody want to share something that they learned from someone else on the panel today um, that they didn't know and and um, thought was pretty cool? I'll take a stab. Um, you know, we we've talked directly about it, but I'm always interested to hear. You know, Bonnie was talking about some of those very local carbon offset programs that they're interested in pursuing. You know, we've taken the same approach here at the basin, um, obviously acknowledging we will have to offset a little bit, no matter how good we are in our performance and, you know, mitigating and avoiding resource use. But um, we have been sourcing all of our carbon offsets since we've started doing them a few years ago through the Colorado Carbon Fund, which again, same thing that Bonnie mentioned, you know, it's we were a little weary about wading into those waters, but we thought that finding a really, a truly local um, offset organization and then projects that directly benefit communities here that we could in theory go and look at within a day's drive, if we offset our vehicle emissions for the drive, uh, that we could go see and reach out and touch. And we thought that was important to pursue. And, you know, frankly, we are just hearing from Colorado Carbon Fund that they are running out of some of those really easy to offer to bigger businesses like us opportunities. So we are now kind of back to the drawing board and uh, looking for some more actual local, meaningful, impactful ways to offset some of that use that we can't avoid, at least today. Um, so I'll definitely be reaching out to her and everybody else, as we always do, about where I might find that here in Colorado. But that certainly perked my ears up. And uh, I always love hearing about that. Stuff. I think awesome. it's just such an important aspect to how we approach all these issues. One thing real quick that I would offer, and it's not speaking to a specific point that any of us made, but I think that anyone can get a sense for the support that exists within sustainability and within this group on this call. And for those that are new, um, I think it, I would say take courage um, in knowing that this group is out there uh, to support you and be courageous um, as you uh, approach advocacy efforts. Um, because once you wade in, it's not as hard as you initially anticipate it being. One of the things I really love talking about when it comes to sustainability is that it's such an inspirational business model. There's no need to reinvent the wheel because folks who have already made these efforts and have the same goals have done it or they've failed at it or they've learned a lesson from it or they have a contact from it and 
it's a space that really allows growth and learning and like I find it I find that most sustainability professionals are 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 growing and learning together and from each other and with each other and um there's there's so much space for creativity part of what I love about sustainability especially in the ski industry is that it's new but it's not without the antiquity of really what is fundamental within the ski industry which is celebrating people outdoors celebrating the beauty of our mountain landscape celebrating community and sustainability kind of puts a nice ribbon on it and really brings people together in a space where fundamental change can happen and we can advocate together the conversation today really brought to mind a lot of what is possible within working together as an industry to make things happen, especially as we educate more and more of our people and as we grow and expand and touch the lives of more and more people. There's so much more work we can do to protect our climate and to advocate for a better future. I I couldn't agree more. And just through the process of preparing for this huddle, it's been a learning curve for us here at SAM and, and really understanding. And it's exciting hearing about all of these projects that are going on and ways that you're working together. Want more? Find more PodSAM at www.saminfo.com and check out Managing Supply Chain Admissions, an article in the March 2023 issue of SAM Magazine. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. Thank you for tuning in to PodSAM.